0: We often worry about our gardens this time of year and our crops. A lot of discussion about our crops. Well, we're learning now that our efforts to control pests in our own gardens and on a a wider scale could actually be having a very unwanted effect on a species that we are hugely dependent on. With that, I would like to welcome to the program Nigel Rain, an environmental science professor at the University of Guelph. Good afternoon, Nigel. Good afternoon. You are doing an an interesting study right now on a certain pesticide that could be affecting the bumblebee population. But before we get into the specifics of that, I think we should start at the basics. So walk us through what we're talking about, bumblebees versus honeybees. I think a lot of us have known there's a, a challenge with the bee population. What are we normally hearing about in the news?
1: Well, I think what we're normally hearing about is is honeybees. They get a lot of coverage, um, and when people start to think about bees, they, they generally think about managed honeybees. In a, in a box with movable hives with a beekeeper who maybe moves them around to different crops to do pollination. Um, we're working on bumblebees uh, which is one of about 40 species in Canada um, and th- they're really good examples of wild pollinators and we have a, a great diversity of those. So when, we, when we're thinking about bumblebees in the spring they come out, they're the large furry bees that you see uh, flying around looking for uh, looking for nectar and pollen from flowers When it's still relatively cold, and at that point they're looking for nest sites and they're looking to set up a colony. They're looking for the the queen is looking to find a great place to 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 set up a nest. She wants to lay her eggs, which will become the workers, which you'll see into the into the late spring and early summer, and and even into the fall in some species.
0: And we are incredibly Um, dependent on them, aren't we?
1: We're incredibly dependent on wild pollinators, absolutely. Something like one in three mouthfuls of food um, we eat. Many of the fruit, vegetable, and nut crops that we rely on are dependent on on the pollination services of, of insect pollinators. And also many of the, the flowering plant species in our, in our natural ecosystem depend on them. So, yeah, the, the pollination services they provide, wild pollinators provide, are critical to, to, to both our food supply and to our wider environmental health.
0: And what is it that you are studying now? There is a certain uh, pesticide that is really having a detrimental effect on the bumblebee population. What is it?
1: Well, we've been studying neonicotinoid pesticides and the impacts they, they may have on, on bumblebees uh, for some time now. We've just published a study uh, looking at the, the potential impacts on, on bumblebee queens. We were focusing on that because that's a, a critical point in their, their life. That's the time when the queen is doing all the work for the colony. She's yet to set that colony up. And we were we were concerned that there might be impacts of exposure to these neonicotinoid pesticides at that time. When we did our experiment, we found that um, the bumblebee queens that were exposed to our neonicotinoid pesticide were 26% less likely to lay eggs and to start a colony. And that seemed like a quite a big result, quite a, a big impact on those. So that means we have uh, potentially a quarter fewer uh, bumblebee colonies in the spring going onwards into the summer.
0: Is that across and, the country?
1: Well, um, that, that's in our experiment. And uh, we have based our uh, we've based our exposure, our, our pesticide exposure, on the sort of levels that the bumblebees may be encountering in agricultural landscapes here and around the world. So, yes, that could be that that could be happening in the field right now.
0: And what kind of like where do we find this pesticide? If I were to walk into a store, where would that pesticide be? What products?
1: Well, it depends where you are in the country. Um in uh in as 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 a private individual if you went into a, to a hardware store and you wanted to buy pesticides to use in the garden, in in Alberta you'd be able to buy them uh you'd be able to buy them on the shelf to use in your garden uh to control pests in the garden. Where I am in Ontario, we have a, a cosmetic pesticide ban which means you can't use those in your garden. Um you would find them primarily in uh, treated uh, crops uh, in, in the field, see treated crops. So you'd find it in canola, you'd find it in maize uh, or corn, and you'd find it in soybeans substantially. So they're very widely used in those crops.
0: How long have we been using them? Are we into a position now where we are getting into, you know, territory where we can't reverse this cycle that we've started?
1: Well, we've been using neonicotinoids for, for quite a long time. They were introduced in the early 1990s and they've been building in popularity in, in terms of the widespreadness of the use in, in, in farming for a long time. And they're now the most widely used class of pesticide in the world. So as I said, they, they're they being used very substantially in, in, in canola, they're being used in corn and they're being used in soy a lot. Uh, recent data up until a couple of years ago, they were at about 100% of the, the treated uh, of the corn was treated with these these pesticides, and about 65% of soybeans were treated in Ontario, and I know they're used substantially in canola. So we are becoming, or we have become, uh, quite dependent on these 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 products. Yes.
0: And so what do we do now, now that we're learning more about the detrimental effect it could be having in other aspects of agriculture and, and pollination, how do we take the information you have learned and start to implement change on a broader level through agriculture?
1: Well, I think we need to, we need to take a step back when we're thinking about how we're using pest control products. I think these are unintended consequences of, of pesticide use. I don't think anyone set out to, to harm bees and farmers... Actually, rely on bees to support the pollination of many of their crops. So, taking a step, as I say, taking a step back and trying to think about the balance of using these products and using them in a targeted way um, compared to the potential harm they could be having. So, can we uh, can we find ways in which we can dial back the use of these pesticides? Are we always needing to use them in fields, or or is it only under certain conditions where there's a high press pressure? And that seems to be the model that's been been taken in Ontario, and it seems to be that. Um, that, that farmers are finding that there is a substantial variation in the pests that they have in their fields. And there are some fields that they can they can remove the use of these these chemicals and use alternative measures of pest control. So thinking more broadly about how we control pests and all the different avenues we have, not just relying entirely on, on prophylactic use of, of chemical pesticides like these neonicotinoid seed treatments.
0: Do we know why the bees, the, the queen bees are reacting like this?
1: Well, they're coming out of a situation where they've just hibernated, so they've gone through a lot of physiological stress. It's very difficult for them to survive that, and then they're very hungry, and they need to build up resort- reserves quickly. A lot of, they need to collect a lot of protein, so they're going out and feeding on lots of pollen and nectar. So they might be actually um, taking in quite a lot of this pesticide in the nectar and pollen from these treated crops, and, and even some of the wildflowers around these treated crops at that time. So um, the, these are. Th- this is affecting the the bee's ability they to to do other things. They have to invest a lot of energy in detoxifying these pesticides, and so the impacts we're seeing could be due to a range of factors in the bee, uh, maybe the detoxification of the pesticides or direct impacts on on the, the the functioning of their nerve cells. So we know that neonicotinoids bind to to the nerve cells in in the bees and affect the way in which information is transferred. Through the nervous system, so that affects their their behavior, and, and it appears in this case, their egg laying as well.
0: Now, this might be a bit of a leap, but if we know that it's affecting bees with this type of uh, toxicity built up in their system, do we have any idea what it does to humans?
1: We we do have ideas, and and uh, the, these pe- these pesticides are, are tested on on humans much more extensively they are than they are on other animals, and. The, the nervous system of insects is quite similar. So whether that's a pest insect or a beneficial insect like a pollinator, um, it's not perhaps surprising that they have similar toxic effects on, 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 on bees as they do on, on pests. Uh, they are substantially safer for, for, for people and for other mammals.
0: Okay. Well, Nigel, thank you so much for your time and for your, uh, your information today.
1: Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Calgary Today with Angela Cocot, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.